It's Dr. Audrey Tang here with another season of Retrain Your Brain. It's that podcast that helps you buffer low-level stress. It helps you return to a state of calm. It helps you find more joy in your life so you don't use up so much of your available energy on things that you cannot control. It's not the big choices in life that have the greatest impact, but the little things you choose to do every single day. So start making some choices with me now. In this episode, we will look at how toxic friendships start and whether certain people are more likely to become toxic. So toxicity can be defined as poisonous or very harmful in a pervasive or insidious way. In other words, we might not know we're involved in a toxic friendship until we begin to feel that something is not right or causing us to feel quite bad. As such, unless it has been deliberately curated by one party, which brings it more akin to gaslighting, a toxic friendship will often start in the same way as any friendship. Two people simply connect on shared interests and start spending time together. One reason that we stick with a toxic friendship or perhaps fail to recognise it is that we have become a bit of a people pleaser. We all go through life carrying some sort of emotional baggage and we don't actually need to have experienced deeply traumatic events to feel a sense of rejection, much less have an impact on your life. If we as children were always told, cheer up or stop it, and we never had our feelings acknowledged, and even the idea of family hold back can result in some children creating a belief that they're not as important as the people mum and dad are trying to impress, we can grow up with a need for acknowledgement or people-pleasing without really having learned the tools to provide this for ourselves. As such, we try many different ways to receive what we're craving. And as such, we might be unconsciously drawn to people who either emulate behaviours we're used to, for example, not acknowledging our feelings, because a sense of familiarity is often more comfortable than the unknown, or that somehow suit our need for validation or attention because we fall into a pattern of codependency. So when they are paying us attention, we feel great and we're sort of addicted to it. Unfortunately, this interdependency We may seek love, they want to give it sometimes, but then they seek it back from us. It's no one's fault, but it can become quite icky to resolve. Another reason for toxic friendships can be when jealousy or envy results in one party acting out rather than working to develop their own strengths within themselves. If you've suddenly received a promotion, you might notice a once good friend might turn against you or stop wanting to spend time with you or even try and discredit you because they're envious of your success, but are without the tools or the strength to work on achieving similar for themselves. It becomes all too easy to, rather than show acceptance of difference or even learn from that other person, to try to negate the other. It's known as normative idealisation. I do what is normal. You do what is odd. It makes our own ego feel better. Or to return to the point of looking outwards rather than inwards at ourselves, we might also be picking on others to avoid thinking about our own issues. The first thing to recognise is that when it comes to love and validation, if we're able to give that to ourselves, the source is infinite, there's no scarcity, there's no need to feel we're missing out. And if we're not used to this, then we do tend to look elsewhere. This is how we can both become 
a toxic friend if we're always seeking it from others or fall prey to one because we excuse all of those behaviours because we don't know how to stand up for ourselves. So the second thing to recognise is if we focus on self-compassion, that can really help us. If we focus on building our sense of worth and of values, we may be able to recognise this attention-seeking behaviour in ourselves or in other people if we're the recipient and be able to address it. The thing is, there is no particular type of person who's more likely to become a toxic friend. Yes, we can say that someone with narcissistic tendencies is more likely perhaps to have a propensity to become toxic because narcissistic people don't need to be sadistic. They can be highly self-involved. But this doesn't mean they are going to necessarily be so. What I would say to you, though, is if anyone has ever said to you, you collect strays, you might not be the toxic person, but you may certainly be drawn to them. We tend to collect strays because in our past, we may have felt rejected or neglected or not loved in the way we desire. And we're seeking what's known as a corrective experience. And that is giving love in the hope that we receive love. And unfortunately, what this can do is it manifests in offering all the love and compassion that you have to others, hoping that one of them will fill that need. As that need was often for parental approval, it wouldn't be possible for others to meet that need anyway. And on top of that, that sort of commitment may not have been what they signed up for. Further to which, if we are constantly just giving and giving and giving and hoping that love will be returned and forgiving it if it's not, of course we're going to feel exhausted and underappreciated. And the sad part is, if we have collected strays, the message we might have put out there is, we really were just being nice. And it's not fair to say to them, you're a toxic person, when we just simply came across as giving and expecting nothing in return. If a relationship was not deliberately toxic, but both of you simply needed to grow and learn about each other and yourselves, then it is certainly very possible for potentially toxic relationships to change into very positive, fulfilling ones. However, this does take work from both parties to understand themselves and each other and want to meet those needs. So maybe you didn't have a friendship problem. What other problems could there have been? Perhaps you had a listening problem. There are three key mistakes we make when listening, so try to avoid those. If you're rehearsing what you're going to say rather than listening, you're not actually taking in what the other person's saying. You're thinking about what you want to say next. If you're evaluating, listening only to critique the speaker, fault finding, listening in order to catch the speaker out, you might need to ask yourself why you have to be so critical and what that might be doing to the relationship. And if you're derailing, making things about you, either by topping the experience with your own or making a big deal about it if you were in that situation or taking a what about me approach, then maybe again, you need a little bit of soul searching to think about why you need that validation in someone else's experience, as well as why you're reluctant to let them have their moment. What you could do practically 
is try some active listening. Really interact with what's being said. Ask questions, open questions to learn more. Those which begin with who, what, why, where, when, how. Those elicit a lot more detail than closed questions, which often need a one-word answer. So an open question may be, how are you? A closed question is, are you well? Maybe you can set your expectations a little bit more concretely. If you prefer not to spend time with people, you do not need to give them more time than you choose. Certainly don't give them more time and then resent them for it. So, for example, if you want to close a conversation, be passively positive. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing. If you want to continue it, yes, that's so interesting. Why? How did you do that? What did you do that for? Why did that work for you? All of those are great. But the point is, it's your choice. If you've both changed in the time apart, if you're in a healthier space for that relationship, if you've had the opportunity to experience more, if you recognise what contributes to the breakdown of the friendship, then actually, if you're able to communicate that, and show each other why you're different, it's like starting a new friendship which has a wonderful sense of familiarity. But do not rush back into a friendship just because you're feeling down or guilty and don't try and salvage a friendship for those very same reasons. Ask yourself what makes you want to leave or why you did leave and whether that has changed or if it's going to. Will it really be different this time? Most importantly, can you be explicit with your needs and know what you'll do if your friend is not open to that? Be clear on your boundaries. Communicate your values. Know what you are or are not willing to compromise in yourself. Recognise your own self-worth so that you know that healthy friendships are a bonus to life. You are not completed just because you have a friend. You are a wonderful person as you are. Friendships are an added extra. And in the next episode, I will look at ways you can avoid toxic friendships by practicing a lot more self-love. And that's all we have time for today. But to catch up with more of my tools and tips, do follow me on my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive. Check out my website, www.draudreyt.com or join me in the Wellbeing Lounge on NLive Radio, Tuesday nights at 9pm.